Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because party of redemption, your table is now ready. I'm out here in the Utah wilderness, right behind Zion National Park. And it is absolutely beautiful. You can hear the wind blowing through the ponderosa pines. There's storm clouds overhead. There's blue sky as well. For the last week, I've been out here chasing the presence. And the presence has been chasing me. Well, there you are. And welcome back to the table. I recorded that opening clip back at the end of June while I was on the Northgate Peaks Trail in the Kolob Canyon part of Zion National Park. 35 years ago, I visited Zion one afternoon and made myself a promise to return to explore the incredible beauty I found that day. I didn't plan on it taking me 35 years to come back, but the Lord God allowed me to keep that promise last month, and I spent about five days in Zion. I hiked Angel's Landing, the Narrows, several other trails, all in all 33 miles of hiking in Zion National Park. This is one of the most unique vacations I had ever been on because I was solo. I've taken a lot of day hikes by myself, but I've never spent a prolonged period of time on the road where it was just me and God. I spent 11 days in Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. Zion was my main objective, but I also visited Bryce Canyon National Park and the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, another place I had visited 35 years ago and returned to for the first time since then on this trip. And I also visited a handful of national monuments as well. This journey served as my primer for some much-needed soul recovery. I'm constantly amazed at the power of a single podcast and it is my prayer that these episodes from Redemption's Table are exactly that for many of you, our listeners. But I want to encourage you to check out an episode from another podcast I occasionally listen to, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart podcast, especially the May 17th episode about summer soul recovery. I found it refreshing, insightful, and uh, I just encourage you to tune in. Our world is hurting right now. We have been for some time, and the last year and a half has magnified that hurt. Anybody who tries to tell you the last 17 to 18 months hasn't affected them, I'm sorry, but I'm not buying what they're trying to sell. They're not selling oceanfront property in Arizona, but they are selling waterfront property on a river in Egypt, and it's called denial. 
But I'm just going to speak for myself right now. I occasionally lead a Tuesday night worship service north of Montgomery, Alabama called Broken. And in the opening months of 2021, I sensed God's Spirit nudging me to offer a six-week Bible study on the Old Testament book of Job. Job's story is excruciating. It's visceral. It's honest. I believe the truth of God's Word in Job is very timely for where we are right now. So I led this study. I called it Wrestling with God in the Season of Job. Can anybody out there listening relate to that title? Anybody out there feel like you're wrestling with God? Anybody? Or am I talking to the wind? So about 10 to 14 people participated in wrestling with God. And as we wrestled with God, we combined 25 minutes of music, worship, 25 minutes of teaching. And then the last 25 minutes, I turned off the cameras for small group discussion with those who had gathered. And I just have to say, it was wow. It was one of the most refreshing, honest, needed Bible studies I've ever been a part of. And I want to do it again. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this, wherever you are, and God nudges you with the desire to host this event in your church, I would welcome talking to you. I didn't set out to do this particular episode to promote this, but I'm just putting it out there. That Job study was incredible. God used it. But the last three weeks of that study felt like spiritual warfare. I was filled to overflowing, and I was depleted at the same time when it ended in May. And here's what I recorded in my journal on June the 4th. I wrote, My soul needs rest. My mind needs wisdom. My heart needs healing. Somewhere in the course of those two months while teaching the book of Job, I wondered into a new name for God. Now, I love the Bible and how God and Jesus are constantly revealing themselves to us through a variety of names. Some of my favorite names for God, my rock and my redeemer, the God of all comfort. Uh, One of my favorite names for Jesus, the light of the world, the good shepherd. Other names I love, the author of life, the Lord will provide, waymaker, most high, Sovereign, the Counselor, Abba Father, our peace, the truth who can set you free, and on and on I could go. A lot of names that I really, really love. And so somewhere in the course of studying Job, I began to call God the Presence, because that is who He is. Throughout Scripture, God tells us, and Jesus tells us, He is present. If you're a person of faith, you know that truth. Yes, He is present. And he is the only one who always is present. And that makes him the presence. In Psalm 46.1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present guide in trouble. In Matthew 28.20, as Jesus ascended into heaven before his disciples, he made this promise. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before that, Jesus had made a promise to his disciples about the Holy Spirit who would come to them after his death. In John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. 
So that's just a sampling of scripture to talk about the presence. God is our ever-present guide. Jesus is with us always, and the Holy Spirit is with us forever. He is with you right now, wherever you are. Sometimes you feel his presence, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes he speaks to your heart, and sometimes he's strangely silent. That was part of Job's conflict with God. He, he wanted God to present himself and give an account of himself. He wanted to take God to court because Job had some questions, and in Job's mind, God had some explaining to do. And as Job is having this one-sided conversation with God, that's what it feels like to Job, even though God is soaking up every word that Job says. As Job is having this one-sided conversation Job wants God to show up. He searches for God, and he can't seem to find him. You can sense Job's frustration in Job chapter 23. He says, if only I knew where to find him. But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him but he knows the way I take. It's almost as if Job is saying, why is the presence not present with me? Then there's the words of David in Psalm 139. For Job, it seemed as though he could not get God to play hoops. And for David, it seemed as if God was doing a full court press with him. David says, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness, God, darkness is as light to you. Now Job and David are talking about the same God but they are experiencing God in two totally different ways. They are in different seasons when they wrote these words. There's a lyric in the Andrew Peterson song, The Cornerstone. He's talking about God, and I love this lyric because I can identify with this. He says, you've been a mystery since the moment that I met you. You never move, but I can never seem to, to catch you. Yeah, I get that. God is a mystery, and he's intimate at one and the same time. 
Shortly after concluding the Job study, I came across a quote by George MacDonald in C.S. Lewis's book of the same title. Most of us probably know C.S. Lewis, but we may not be as familiar with George MacDonald. MacDonald was C.S. Lewis's favorite author, and he had a profi- profound influence on Lewis's writings. Here's the quote by MacDonald that struck me, and he was writing about Job when he made this statement. He said, lest it should be possible that any unchildlike soul might in arrogance and ignorance think to stand upon his rights against God and demand of him this or that after the will of the flesh, I will lay before such a possible one some of the things to which he has a right. He has a claim to be compelled to repent, to be hedged in on every side, to have one after another of the strong, sharp-toothed sheepdogs of the great shepherd sent after him. He has the right to, for God to thwart him in any desire, to foil him in any plan, to frustrate him of any hope until he come to see at length that nothing will ease his pain, nothing make life a thing worth having but the presence of the living God within him. I can hear MacDonald's influence in C.S. Lewis's classic work, Mere Christianity. One of the famous quotes from that book, it says, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. Our very first podcast episode My podcast guest was a friend by the name of Johnny Mount, and Johnny shared one of my favorite John Claypool quotes. John Claypool. John Claypool said this. He says, God's middle name is surprise. I like that. Surprise. God's middle name is surprise. Abba, surprise, Father. Jesus, surprise, Christ. Holy, surprise, Spirit. Several years ago, I had a trusted friend tell me what the Lord had revealed to them about me. This was the attribute. He chases me, meaning I chase God. I was somewhat taken aback by that, but I had to agree, yeah, that's, that's accurate. And I need to add, I wish it were more so. I find myself, I think, as many people do, between Job 23, I can't find him right now, and Psalm 139, he is all over me. God is the presence. I am never alone. I am never lost to him. He knows exactly where I am. And that also applies to you. God is the presence. You are never alone. You are never lost to him. He knows exactly where you are. On Sunday, June the 27th, I spent the day at Bryce Canyon National Park. Surprisingly, it wasn't crowded. It wasn't that hot. It was a beautiful day. I spent most of it hiking amongst the hoodoos. Now, a hoodoo is a pillar of rock that has been sculpted by erosion into these crazy creative shapes. And I spent the day among the hoodoos, and then I drove along the 
18-mile canyon rim drive at sunset. And then I went back to my room at Bryce Canyon Lodge until about an hour before moonrise. I walked out to the edge of Bryce Canyon. And really, it's not a canyon. It's more like a huge amphitheater. There's no other side on the other side like the Grand Canyon. It was about 11 p.m., and the stars above were spectacular. You could see the Milky Way. Back when I lived in the Davis Mountains of West Texas, you could see the Milky Way all the time, but it had been a while since I'd been able to see the Milky Way, and so I was enthralled. I was just staring up into the night sky. I was losing sense of time. I'm standing on the edge of the canyon at a place between two points. To my left was Sunrise Point, and to my right was Sunset Point. So when I wasn't gaping at the stars overhead, I would occasionally glance towards Sunrise Point, anticipating the moon. I was totally disoriented. My expectations were firmly set in my mind because of those two points. And so I'm looking straight out across pitch darkness because the wind is blowing across that amphitheater right at me. It's blowing so hard at times it takes my breath away. Temperature is starting to drop a little bit. I'm still anticipating the moon to rise to my left. But straight in front of me, all of a sudden, was an eerie red glow on the horizon. Now, I'd driven through Arizona a week before, and there had been several wildfires near Flagstaff, Arizona. The Kaibab Forest, which surrounds the north rim of the Grand Canyon, had been closed because it was a tinderbox ready to burst into flame. And since I think the east is to my left and the west is to my right, I think I'm looking towards the south where this red glow is coming from. And I thought to myself, the forest is on fire to the south of here. And then I saw red flame crest the horizon which I guess was probably about 50 to 60 miles away. And again, I'm thinking this is a huge fire and it's just getting bigger. And then I wondered why I was not smelling smoke because as big as this fire was, I should be. And that fire just kept coming. And then it dawned on me, literally, what I thought was wildfire was actually the strawberry moon. Surprise, because I was expecting the moon one way, I was totally leveled when it came from a direction I did not expect. I was in awe. I stood there mesmerized for 20 minutes or so. The moon looked like a tilted eyeball, a tilted red eyeball staring straight at me. And again, the temperature continued to drop, and I was just about to turn around to go back to my room when that red moon broke out of the dust of the horizon and turned as white as a spotlight. That's exactly what it looked like. It looked like a searchlight coming across the darkness right at me. I glanced down toward the hoodoos, and they were now lit up. My shirt was glowing. And just a few moments before, I could not have seen my hand in front of my face. God's middle name is Surprise. And God surprised me there on the edge of Bryce Canyon. When you dare imagine 
God is nowhere to be found. Surprise, there he is. When you entertain the thought that he does not even exist, surprise, there he has always been. What you think about God never limits God from being who he is. He created your inmost being. He knit you in your mother's womb. He knows you, and he longs for you to get to know him. And he loves you. No matter where this hurting world has left you right now, God sent his son Jesus so that you could know him. My prayer for you is for you to be surprised again and again by his presence this summer. May God just blow you away with his presence because he is there. He's always there. We have several new episodes coming your way. I hope you'll join us next Wednesday morning. Party of Redemption, your table is always open. Hope you have a blessed summer. Till next week, be ready for God's surprise.